sonrisa que ha pasado por su casa, que ha venido porque quiere ser feliz. Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe. We're coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana, where it's a beautiful sunny day. The temperature is probably about 75 degrees. And um, we're in June and it's um, time for a break from school. So uh, thank goodness the teachers are getting a break now. So we all have a rest. But um, I want to thank some people uh, before we start the show. Kyle Boyle, station director of the online radio station at UCCS in Colorado Springs, and the faculty and staff there as well for their support of the shows and the shows that they put on as well. Uh, we would like to congratulate uh, UCCS online radio for their awards they won, which have been many uh, for their programs. And I would especially like to thank Marge Mystery, who no longer is with us, for the wonderful help she gave us four or five years ago when we started the show, and for all her work at uh, Radio UCCS in, in Colorado Springs. Um, today, I um, want to welcome the listeners and thank you for being here. We have with us uh, a, a person who does a lot of different things, uh, teaches and then goes way beyond the call of duty. And uh, we're going to meet her in a minute. And her name is Susan Tomlinson. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Tom. Now, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Now, uh, for the listeners, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about where you originally are from and your family? Sure. I am originally from Indiana. Uh, I have very deep roots in Indiana, actually, on both sides of my family. We've been here since the 1830s, so I am a Hoosier, born and bred. So, what about your teaching career? What, uh, how long have you taught? For you don't have to say exact years, but uh, unless you want to. And uh, uh, so, your teaching career started where at? Um, I started teaching in 1977, um, and I, I graduated from Ball State. Um, I have taught in Indiana and mostly, but I also um, have had a lot of different opportunities in public schools, private schools, laboratory schools, and I spent five years um, at a Department of Defense school in, in, in the 80s. Now, you're, presently you're at Franklin Central High School, correct? That is correct, and yes. you teach history, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, what? Um, why did you choose teaching? Um, what What is it about teaching that you like? Well, actually, in in the nineteen seventies, uh, there weren't that many career choices for women. Honestly, um, it was. It's hard to believe and to even say it out loud now, but the choices were pretty much um, office work, secretarial or teaching, um, or nursing, and um, I came from a family of teachers, so I chose teaching. Um, I like to work with people. Uh, I wanted the freedom in the summers to travel, and I'm, I've been very, very fortunate that it turned out to just be the absolute 
right choice. There's nothing else I would have ever chosen, even if I would have had more choices. Well, we're very glad that you chose teaching because I'm aware <laughs> of a lot of things you do, and you do a lot of neat things, uh, extra things. Susan is one who goes the extra mile, and uh, we're going to find out in a minute some of the things she does. Um, what are some of your special memories about teaching? Do you have something that really stands out that you really remember about teaching? That Well, I can't choose just – I thought about this earlier. I can't choose just one thing, but I think it comes down to when I have an experience with students – where they, they experience just a sense of wonderment, whether it is um, there have been speakers that I've brought into my classroom, either um, live or via Skype, and kids are just amazed at the similarities, also the differences, the appreciation of different cultures. Uh, I've, I've taken kids to international festivals, and we've... Um, organize our own international festival. The, the sense of wonderment at the bigness of the world, yet the simplicity of the humanity and the the um, similarities in between human beings and the appreciation for the differences. So you Those use, are the things. Okay, so you use Skype in the classroom quite a bit? Not a lot, but more, yes, and because it's so simple to do. Yes. And uh, so how do you um, get students interested in the world when you're teaching about things of the world? And I know you, you, you really bring this into the classroom, your interest in the world community. And uh, how do you go about that? I know a lot of students, there are a lot of great students out there who who – really buy into this idea of the world community and then there are some that don't buy into it so how do you sell the idea of, of the world community well i it, i think that it starts with taking a look at who you are um, not just personally and immigration wise or your heritage but the fact who's in your community and your school corporation and i think that Pretty much no matter where you go, even some of the most rural areas, you'll find, you'll find international connections, whether it's through missionary service, whether it's through um, military service, whether it is um, um, relatives. I, I think that – well, one for example – where I, where I work on the southeast side of Indianapolis, I started working in this particular high school um, 15 years ago. And at that time, we had six students. Now we have 2,600 students. It was a growing community, um, partly having to do with bringing city water <laughs> out to what had been farmland. And lots and lots of, of new homes went up. And we found our school population changing significantly. And we took a look at... We surveyed our, our kids with the idea of where were you born and what language do you speak at home. And we found in the last in the last 10 years, we have had 50 different birthplaces of our students. In other words, places around the world where nations where our students have been born. And there are 35 languages spoken in a home. And um, I think that sometimes it just takes that looking at who you are and what connections are. Uh, to find that you're a lot more diverse than you realize. And um, when 
when we, well, but let's see. Um, we also created what we called it our World Cultures Club, this, and we have an international festival every year um, where it's open. To, they want to audition to, we had anything from rap uh, to to poetry, poetry slam, to lots of bhangra dancing and uh, bachata and, and different kinds of Hispanic dances, um, food sampling, uh, that that really brought the community together quite a bit. That's so, a wonderful idea. Can you tell the listeners what, what a poetry jam is in case they don't know? A, po- a poetry slam. Um, yeah, poetry it's basically, yeah, it also is, isn't it also called a jam too? Slam or jam, either one. Or is there a difference? Well, all, uh, there may be. Um, this this was simply a young lady who performed something that she had performed at a poetry slam, and it was um, it had to do with who she was, what her her background and beliefs were, and it was very intense and very personal. Um, I don't know I, I don't know if that's the definition of poetry slam, but that's. Um, and she was on her own on the stage and got a standing ovation. It was really uh, yeah, quite amazing. That, yeah, those are quite interesting. So did when you um, work with the, the international students, were you – it is amazing, though, when what you're doing and, and saying is basically that we are, in many of us, unaware of how many immigrants are around us at any given time, right? Anywhere. I mean – Absolutely. Uh, or, or experiences. Sometimes that's why I say you start you start with your own home and your own community to see what your makeup is and your connections. And you can always find people to whether it's, um, you know, family members or military service members or business people. Um, there are a lot of connections out there if you just ask. So. Yeah, it, it is uh, a fascinating thing, this idea of um, how are we going to uh, politically today uh, keep the immigrants in the front, in the, in the front really, of uh, the front of the line here a little bit and uh, always remember all the immigrants. And that's what our country is made of, immigrants. And uh, over, the, over the many hundreds of years, and to really uh, support that, uh, I know regardless of whom people voted for, whatever party, but uh, this the, the immigration uh, issue uh, here and around the world is has gotten to be a strange, a very different uh, type of situation we've been having. And hopefully it will straighten itself out, you know, but it's uh, uh, wonderful that you brought all this up because uh, – we, we take it for granted, don't we? We take it for yes. granted way too much, yes, about the, yes. these yes. things. Um, now, what about the um, uh, the World Cultures Club, the Peace Corps projects? What do you do along those lines, this World Cultures? Well, this club, does it meet like once a month or, or – Yes, it's once a month, sometimes twice a month, um, and it started um, about 10 years ago. Um, I am no longer the sponsor, but I still help, and it's open to anybody. Uh, it is anything from guest speakers uh, to students who have 
traveled and they talk about their uh, travels to, to it's a great place for our foreign exchange students. In fact, usually the October meeting uh, includes presentations from the foreign exchange students so that they can get to know the kids in the club. Um, Beautiful. So I, 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 it, 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 it ties into so many things. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. Um, also, some of the local universities, Butler in particular, has come and spoken about their gap year or study abroad programs. Right. Um, the, in Bloomington, at in, um, Bloomington, Indiana, has what they call the Lotus World Festival, which is just a big event um, that is five stages, indoor, outdoor, uh, and they... Um, sponsor a special program for discount tickets for students who come as a school group. And so we take it down to the, the World Music Bus, up a couple of um, small, you know, 16-passenger buses and drive them down and for for an amazing experience. Um, and that, that uh, and, uh, the title is, is magnificent, World Cultures Club. It's just so beautiful. And as you said, it brings in a lot of information, a lot of communication with live communication with students because sometimes we get so used to this technology business that we lose contact with real real communication which in what you're saying with your club is really important you know in the school and uh, this this is kind of an example you do this on the, on your own right I mean this is not you started this correct I mean you do right right it's, it, you're just doing this because you love doing it and that's why one of yes. the things for the listeners, there's so many wonderful teachers out there that do these wonderful things like Susan does, and we never hear about them. We don't hear enough about what they're doing. We don't recognize them enough. And uh, But there are so many people out there that deserve more credit, and Susan, you're one of them, I think. But uh, it's you. so beautiful what you're doing, you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, I've heard about the things that you do and, and people talk about it, but I hope at your school as well that they, they give you your credit for all this hard work because it's, it's beautiful work that you're doing. Um, now, what happens, what about the, the, so the club meets and music, foods and all kinds of sharing of customs, right? And, and things. Right. And, uh, what about the Peace Corps projects? Uh, this, you're not going to believe this, but a long time ago, <laughs> when I was, this was back in when I taught middle school, uh, way, way back in time, uh, we started working with the Peace Corps. And then when I went to the high school, Ben Davis, we started uh, uh, doing uh, Peace Corps projects there. And I guess they're still doing them, right? I mean. Well, this is actually a, a program called Worldwise schools, WISE, W-I-S-E, and it pairs classrooms with Peace Corps members, and I've known about this for a while, but but I've never done it until I had a friend who decided to join the Peace Corps um, last year, and for the first time, for Peace Corps volunteers, you could choose where you go, so she decided to go to Kosovo. And so I said, well, if you're going to go to Kosovo, then I'm going to ask if I can have you as a worldwide school partner. And so that's how it started. And it's been um, you you basically decide on your own what you're able to do. And she works in community development 
uh, and she does do some teaching of English night classes, um, but there's not a school to connect with. So Lizzie Beckman is her name, and she um, uh, she talks to my students periodically, and we send pictures and notes back and forth. Um, when we studied the Peace Corps in U.S. history, it was just so perfect to have her talk about what the Peace Corps was and how it had, had evolved uh, and her experiences. And then for my sociology classes, when we studied culture and also when we studied education and religion, uh, she's in an area that, that uh, several minority groups that and um, and language groups that you know we're not familiar with in generally speaking in the United States. So it was it was great exposure for my students to learn about that also. And you you can yeah. do whatever you want. Um, we set up um, there's an app called Padlet P A D L E T and and um, it will allow us to communicate whenever we want to. Um, as far as school um, requirements go, making sure that everything is above board and, and no secret conversations going on in the background, but everything is public, that's, that's why we chose Padlet. And we can post videos and we can communicate back and forth. And so we'll be using Padlet when we start school next year. Well, that's wonderful. Um, so um, the... Um in those days, back, and this goes back to the 70s and, and the 80s, it was called the Peace Corps Partnership Program. But what we okay. did was we took our, our language clubs and we would have projects and we raised money to help build schools and where the Peace Corps needed money and the kids got to know the volunteers and the community. But the interesting thing in those days, $100, $150, was enough in some of these communities to build a little school. And they had the, wow. this, this was in Latin America and some little towns and uh, far removed from civilization, a lot of it. And, uh, but everything was cheap, you know, in dollars, the dollars were worth a lot of money in those days and uh, in some of those areas. Um, now the, um, the sister cities, for example, uh, how did you get interested in the sister cities? Well, I actually was on a field trip with my students to the Indianapolis International Festival. And Sister Cities uh, Indianapolis had a booth, and I stopped and talked to them. And um, and that was the beginning. And, and met, the at the time, the coordinator, Jane Gelhausen, and she talked to me about the program and that's how I became was years ago and um, there there are eight sister cities um, that Indianapolis has and she asked me which one I would like to be involved in and they all looked interesting to me and I, I thought well I, there's not one that stands out what what needs more help or could use more involvement of a teacher and she suggested the, the formation of a committee for teachers. And so together we started that, and I've, I've been um, leading that for the last five years. Now, uh, so what are the sister cities in Indianapolis? The sister cities in Indianapolis uh, include Taipei, Taiwan, uh, Cologne, Germany, Hyderabad, India, Peron, Slovenia, Campinas, Brazil, Northamptonshire County, United Kingdom, uh, Hangzhou, China, and Monza, Italy. 
There's not one in Cuba, right? No. There is not one in Cuba. I believe that Bloomington has a sister city in Cuba. I think you're right on that. Yes, they do. Um, uh, I forget where it is. It's not Havana, though, is it? It's another city, I think. Maybe uh, it's Camagüey. I can't remember which one, but it, it's a different one. Um, so what what is this sister city movement? What does it accomplish? What did it do? Okay, well, first of all, it, Sister Cities International was started in 1956 by President Eisenhower uh, due to the Cold War situation at the time. Uh, he felt that it would be a really good way to, um, to have people-to-people -people interaction um, and, and promote you know, democracy and, friend, and basically to promote friendship. While, while sometimes these sister cities can evolve into business opportunities and relationships, really, it is people-to-people -people type of, of um, and engagement and exchange. Um, in, in Indianapolis, um, the Cologne Committee, for example, has a very um, extensive firefighters exchange. Um, and also the Marion County Public Library has had librarian exchanges. Um, and um, we, we are, our, our teacher and student outreach committee has been involved in not exchanges, but connections with uh, an elementary school in Peran, Slovenia. Um, Hyderabad, India uh, is, is very active in promoting um, festivals and 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 the, and the Hyderabad um, sister cities program is is um, very active in some business connections also promoting IT services um, is, and and those kinds of connections is this a program then it's through the city of Indianapolis as well right I mean they do yes they, yes they ultimately organize the thing is that correct or the okay the the sister cities program international, regardless of which city it is, is 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 usually a mayor to mayor, and um, in Indianapolis this is coordinated through the mayor's office of international and Latino affairs, and Jordan Rodriguez is the person in charge of that office at this point, and uh, each sister city is independent. Uh, each sister city's committee, I should say, is, is independent in, in creating the, the mayor's office has always been in helping us uh, have leadership meetings where we all meet together. We all have our own um, activities that are going on, but we share with each other and we get together uh, to plan things together, including um, the, uh, we have a, a festival, a sister city's festival, and for the last two years we've been partnering International Marketplace Coalition on Indy's West Side for a Taste the Difference uh, Sister Cities Festival. So Sister City committees work together on that. Now, what about your upcoming schedule? Then are you pretty busy in the summer? Then more than more so than the rest of the year. Um, well, actually, in the summer, um, for our, for our teacher and student outreach committee. We're, we're taking a break for a couple of months because a lot of us do some travels in the summer. Um, so um, this this summer, I don't have any um, international travels planned, but just some some statewide and, and local things. So your your involvement then is pretty time consuming. I'm assuming, right? I mean, it takes a lot of time. 
Yes, but you know, I I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and that the first time after I was invited to become involved in the Sister Cities leadership, the first time I went to the leadership meeting, um, the people are just so friendly. They're interested in um, they're interested in each other. They're interested in learning new things. They're interested in making connections and. Um, it, it it's it's fun. I, I while while it is community service and it is a lot of work. Um, for example, the the last six months we've had we decided that instead of just having regular meetings for our committee, the teacher and student outreach committee, that we would have what we called after school social professional development, and we would meet at a different. Uh, restaurant in the international marketplace each month and we would have a theme for our meeting um, and teachers would receive one hour of professional growth points where they would receive one professional growth point um, and our themes were um, international exchange and, t- and, tra- and student and teacher travel another theme was um, internationalizing your classroom um, and, and things like that and and we would plan for meeting and a dinner, and usually they would, you know, they're supposed to last about an hour and a half. They'd usually last about two and a half. Came so interested and so interested that we just kept going. <laughs> yes. So well, we're very lucky that you did. That's wonderful. Now, what about the world cities? What's some of your favorite world cities? Oh gosh, um, I. I I have a real hard time choosing. Because it depends on on what you're talking about. Um, I've I've been to Paris probably more times than I've been to any other city because I just love the museums and and the experience there. But um, and and I have to say that Indianapolis is one of my favorite cities in the world. <laughs> A shout out to Indy because of so many opportunities here. Also. Um, but uh, it, it's it's hard to pin down. I, I, my most some of my most unique experiences have been in um, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, um, Shanghai, um, Kawasaki City. I I I can't. I, it's like asking me to name a favorite child. So you really get <laughs> around. Don't you really get around. How many countries have you visited? Many, right? Um, about twenty-seven. I was going to say, you've really been traveling. Good for you. Now, this, this back to Paris. Of course, Paris is Paris, right? It's just, yeah. there's so many things to do in Paris, right? It's such a cultural city. Yeah. And uh, I always find in the Spanish-speaking world, the same thing happens in Madrid. You know, you have mm. all these beautiful museums, and you know, it goes on and on and on. You know, the sites and the historic place, all the history and um, and Barcelona as well, in the Spanish side of it. But um, uh, Paris is certainly it's just one of the great places and just beautiful place. Um, now, what about uh, do do you speak another language other than English? No, I am not fluent in any other language. I'm sorry to say. I, I took Spanish in high school and French in college, and then I learned. I took night classes when I was living in Germany, um, and 
that that's one thing that that's my one regret. If I had um, a lot of wishes and I had already taken care of world peace and, <laughs> and everybody's happiness, then I would like to snap my fingers and be able to speak well, either Spanish or Mandarin Chinese. Yeah. Now, if, if you, this is an interesting question. Um, what about uh, language though? When you took language in school, foreign language in school, what, um, what was it that you, when you look back on things, was it instruction? Was it, did that have a lot to do with language study? You know, sometimes I think back in the times where there's so many different methods of teaching and how it's evolved over the years, the teaching of languages. And there are mm -hmm. some people that say, well, the kids are a lot more proficient today, uh, which they are in many cases, but that's again, because we have a lot more programs. We have more kids going to the countries and visiting it's uh, things like that than we had in the past. Did you feel like that you spoke language a lot when you studied it, or was it pretty much a grammar exercise? I really, in high school, it was more of a grammar exercise. Um, I had good teachers, but at that time, I mean, this was back in the seventies. I, I I didn't see the um, the application so much. I, I honestly, philosophically, I think. Language needs to start at least in middle school, if not earlier. And that may make a difference also. Yes. Um, so uh, I, I see much more of a, uh, of emphasis today on foreign languages. And, and I think students understand that it's a real asset to be able to speak another language. And I think they have more opportunities to use it. And I think that there are more uh, opportunities for international travel. I see that with a lot of my students, not only um, opportunities through the school, but, you know, there are a lot of churches that do mission, mission work uh, in Central and South America. That's what I see from Indiana. And, and I have a lot more students who have that kind of international experience also. Now, if we wanted to increase the interest in world language study and cultures, uh, in, in the United States, what do you think we should do to make it more uh, more interesting, perhaps more acceptable by lots of people, by the adults as well? What would we have to do to do that? Uh, do you think that we do enough to educate the, the mass of people in our country about the importance of world cultures and language study and culture study? Or could we do a lot more? Well, I think we could do a lot more. I, I think that um, I think that in Indiana, world language courses also spend much more time now on culture, uh, on world culture, and not simply the grammar, and that makes a difference. I think that uh, when it comes to television and uh, radio and popular music, that there's more diversity and there's more... Uh, more opportunity to hear world music also. I, I think that um, it, that it starts, it starts with the teachers when you're talking about the schools. So universities need to have some sort of a component that will include um, world cultures. 
Um, I, I hesitate to say, although this was kind of my first thought, was we'll make it a requirement. <laughs> make world language a requirement. Make make a an honors diploma uh, throughout the United States include a second language. Um, I know that from my my um, experience in Germany for five years. Most of the people we knew were not only bilingual, many of the people we knew were trilingual. Um, and that made a difference in, in their careers and their, in their competitiveness in the job market also. Do you have uh, any advice for young teachers today that are going into their career as to what they should do to be really effective? Um, they need to know that it takes a high degree of stamina uh, to teach. And, and so one of my first pieces of advice to my student teachers is, number one, get enough sleep. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think that you, you always have to continue learning. You, you have to be um, – you have to have your eyes open to see who is in your classroom and what they can bring to the table and what they need from you. You, you just it's, – it's a very – it's, it's not any easier today. With all my years of experience and all my knowledge and all my background, um, I'm working as many, if not more, hours than I did as, as a young teacher. Um, and it takes a commitment. It's a calling. It's, it's not a job. It's, it's, it's a mission. And um, if you see it as that and you have the passion to do it, then you'll have one of the greatest experiences in your life. That's my advice. Yes, and uh, great advice. That was wonderfully said. Uh, uh, and what about the, the teaching profession today? Is, is it changing? I mean, are we getting uh, more teachers? Are we getting less teachers? And how can we improve that either way? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I have a hard time answering this question. Um, I, I have to remain positive. Um, I, I have, I, I'm to the point now in my career, I can retire. Um, so that gives me, um, great, a, a, a great feeling that I, I can do this, um, probably for five more years or so, but if I need to, I can retire. Um, it's, as I said before, it's not easy. Um, some of the changes that I see and have witnessed, I see as um, um, legislation and uh, implementation that is from people who really don't know what education uh, is about at this point. Um, I think, on the other hand, that teachers and legislators and business people need to work together. Sometimes I think that's not happening. Um, I don't mind change, um, and I don't mind improvement, but um, I don't like to see people making rules without really knowing what they're doing. And I'll just keep it at that. Yes. Well, that was well said. Um, Susan, thank you so much for being on our show.
And uh, we look forward to hearing more about your programs, your wonderful things you're doing with World Cultures and the Sister Cities. Again, thank you for being on our show and uh, hope to see you soon, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks for being on and we'll catch up with you. For the, li- uh, the listeners, thank you for being on the show and we're going to uh, continue now and end the show with our favorite song from Alejandro uh, Fernandez called Canta Corazón. So uh, everybody have a great week. We will catch up with you. Join us for our next show, which is going to come to you live from Havana, Cuba. And then in July, we're going to come to you live from Madrid, Spain. Okay. Thank you so much and have a great day. Que el amor de mi 